Welcome to the Pain Solutions Podcast. Dr. Wayne Fimister is a family physician with a special interest in chronic pain, whose passion is finding solutions for this epidemic problem facing one-third of the adult population. He is a clinical associate professor at the University of British Columbia in Canada and has developed one of the first online medical trigger point injection courses for doctors and nurse practitioners, a technique that is easily learned and implemented into the medical office of any doctor or nurse practitioner treating chronic pain. To get free access to Pain Solutions newsletter, blogs, and to register for his online course, simply register at www.waynefimister.com. On the podcast, Dr. Wayne brings together experts from various segments to share with you how they solve people's pain problems and how you can get this treatment too. And now, here's your host, Dr. Wayne Fimister. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us today on the podcast show. My very special guest is Juletta Belton. Welcome, Juletta. Thank you so much, Wayne. It's so good to be here. So as a little bit of background, Juletta is a nature lover. She's a book lover. She's a storyteller. She's the co-founder of the Endless Possibilities Initiative. That's a nonprofit with a mission of empowering people with pain to live well. What an amazing thing that you're doing there. And she also has a website at mycupofjoe.com where she makes sense of pain and healing through science and stories. So that's the kind of things we're going to be talking about today. And, uh, you know, we're going to ask you first, Gilletta, just take us back in time. You know, where did you grow up and how did you come into this world of pain? Yeah, so I actually grew up in Michigan, in the Midwest of the United States, in a suburb of Detroit called Royal Oak. So I was born and raised there. My family is still back there for the most part. I moved when I was in my early 20s out to Southern California, though, and I became a firefighter paramedic out in California. And it was in my work as a firefighter paramedic that that I entered this pain world, and it wasn't a voluntary experience (laughs) whatsoever. My entry into this pain world just started with a step off the fire engine on a routine call, and I just felt a little twinge in my hip. I wouldn't even call it pain. It was just a twinge. But that twinge and that missed step off the fire engine kind of led me onto a path of ongoing, worsening pain that I didn't have a good explanation for for a really long time. And I really suffered with it for quite a while before I was able to start making sense of things and move forward in a different way. That pain ended up in my medical retirement from the fire service. And then I got more into studying pain academically because I wanted to understand it for myself. Yeah, so you went on and did a master's. And what was that in? It was in human movement. So when I first went back to graduate school to figure out my pain experience, I still had very biomechanical, biomedical notions of what my pain was. And I thought that I would be able to fix it through posture and movement. So I went back to school in human movement, but I studied pain science as my research focus and a whole lot of cognitive dissonance set in (laughs) by studying those two things because I learned so much from the science of just about how complex pain is, how multi-system, multi-factorial pain is, which was a little overwhelming at first, but it also gave me a lot of different ways in to change my experience and to understand my experience a little bit different. So what do you know now that's different from say, several months into this or several years into this pain experience? I think the biggest difference is knowing that 
pain doesn't equal damage, that it's not a linear one-to-one relationship, that when you feel pain somewhere, it doesn't mean that there's a, a correlation with the amount of tissue damage or something that's going on in the tissues there. So for a really long time, my pain was in my right hip. And I, I thought that it had to be damaged, that there had to be something really wrong in there. And I went through all of the treatments. You know, I started with medications and then physical therapy. I had cortisone injections. And ultimately, I had surgery. About 13 months after the twinge, I had surgery, femoral acetabular impingement. And I was so excited to have that surgery because I thought, finally, my anatomy is going to be fixed. And then that's going to fix my pain, too. And my anatomy was fixed through surgery, but I still had pain. And that didn't make sense to me. And I still just very much had this idea of there had to be something wrong in there. So after surgery, it became, I had to have messed up my surgery. The surgery went well, it fixed everything, but I'm still in pain. So I had to have messed it up somehow. I kind of took on all of that blame that I had to be doing things wrong, moving wrong, sitting wrong, doing something wrong. And that was why I still had pain. So when I learned in graduate school that pain and damage aren't well correlated, that it's not just a damage meter telling you what's going on in the tissues, and that there are many different factors that contribute to that experience of pain, that our immune system and nervous system and endocrine system are all involved, and that our social environment and our our mood and our beliefs and our expectations all impact that experience too was the greatest change. And it just gave me a different way of conceptualizing my pain, which opened the door to different possible ways forward. So yeah, much of our podcast show here is talking about all those different things that you've been mentioning. So it's great to hear that, you know, you went through this learning, you took it on board, but not only that, but you I've taken it forward to a completely different level. So let's just share some of the work that you're doing to help yourself as well as countless many other people with your endeavors. So share about that. So after I had learned about my pain in a different way and conceptualized my pain a little bit differently and started living my life again without having to wait for pain to be gone, that was such a huge perspective shift for me because for so long, my life had been on hold, waiting for the pain to be gone so I could get back to life. And then understanding pain differently, understanding I wasn't doing more harm to myself with each painful step allowed me to get back to my life without worrying about the pain being gone first. I realized that I could get back to my life and even live that life well, even if pain was still present. Um, and that perspective shift was everything. Cause then once I started getting back to my life and getting back to the things that were meaningful to me and that I valued, my pain started to change over time. And I just thought that that was amazing. And I wanted to share that with other people. I met my co-founder of Endless Possibilities Initiative, Beth Request, through the National Sports Center for the Disabled, where I was a volunteer and she was an athlete. She's paraplegic, but she's an alpine skier and a mountain biker. She just uses all adaptive equipment. But she had just had another surgery, and that that surgery had made her more paralyzed, and she ended up with more pain. So her development coach introduced us because he knew I was in this pain space and that he thought I might be able to help her. So I started sharing with her all of these things that I had learned when I was in school and these things that I had started to apply to myself, you know, getting back to meaningful activities, doing things to calm my nervous system down, calm my immune system down. And we just kind of started informally working together. And she kept saying, 
over the course of weeks and months. Why has anyone told me this before? And I remember thinking when I was in school and I was learning all this information, like, why hasn't anyone told me this before? Because that knowledge is so empowering and lets us take some control back over our own experiences. So through that question of why hasn't anyone told me this before, we, we wanted to find a way to tell people that information that wasn't like a traditional channel, that they didn't have to go through their insurance or healthcare provider to get this information, that it would just be available to them. So we started the Endless Possibilities Initiative. Our mission is to empower people living with pain to live well, and it's all peer-to-peer support, education, and resources. We do retreats and workshops. Our retreats are our favorite thing to do. We just do weekend-long retreats where people living with pain come together and we talk and do various activities, do some educational stuff, but it's more about coming together, realizing that you're not alone and getting those kind of bits of information that might help fill some of the, the gaps in people's knowledge to help them make sense of their experiences in a different way. What would you say is one of the maybe top two things that people in these retreats get from you know, coming in, they get educated, they get the support, but they get that kind of cohesiveness feeling of not being on their own. What would you say the top two things are that they take home and it changes their life? I, I think that the biggest thing is really that not feeling like you're alone because pain can be so isolating. I was so withdrawn during the years of my pain when it was at its worst. And it was really a dark time for me. And my world became very, very small. I stopped going out. I stopped interacting with my friends and my family. I stopped, you know, connecting with people. And for me, sitting was my most painful activity. So that's really life limiting. I couldn't drive. I couldn't meet a friend for dinner or a drink or go to the movies. And that seems to be a very common experience for people who are living with pain. The world just gets really, really small. And the the possibilities become less and less and less in what they're able to do or what they think that they're able to do. Um, And it can feel so isolating and alone in that you're just, you're dealing with this suffering and this pain and it feels like no one else can possibly understand it. So being able to all come together and be in a space where other people get it without you having to explain or defend yourself. We had one woman who characterized it as being intensely relaxing. Because you can let your guard down a little bit. And so much of pain is being tense and guarded and braced. So to be able to let that down a little bit, I think that makes a big difference. And then just understanding pain a little bit differently. And that it's not just in the tissues where pain is felt. That you know our stress levels and our mood and our beliefs can all affect pain too. Give people different ways into their experience. And we really emphasize how strong and adaptable and resilient and courageous people are. Because for for so many of us, when we're in the healthcare system, we're often told how broken and dysfunctional and damaged we are. And then that becomes a part of our narrative of who we are, not just our pain. So for us, it's really important for people to know that they're not alone, to know that pain is this complex, multifactorial experience, but as overwhelming as that can be, it also gives us a lot of ways in to change that experience and then to just emphasize their own strength and adaptability and resilience and courage and that that's what's going to help them 
to move forward and get back to their own meaningful activities and their own values and in all of those things that make them feel like themselves that they might have gotten away from in their years of pain. I love this. I love what you're sharing. You know, <laughs> it's the potential, and I, I'm a big yeah. believer in the potential that's within us. You know, and it's not just within the DNA of the cell to heal and to improve, but it's the social interconnections. You know, yeah. we're not meant to be alone in this planet. You know, we're not meant to be stuck in a room all on your own. You're meant to be part of a community. You know, it takes a community yeah. to grow a community. And just mentioning those things, it just became so apparent that we're so multi-layered, way more than, you know, our hip and our brain yeah. and you know, our nervous system. You know, outside yeah. of us, there's people and there's animals and there's nature and there's all these amazing things around us that when we connect with them, we literally are living. And it's yes. so we need to reignite that spark of life again because pain kind of robs it. It's a thief. It comes and takes it away. But we it does. Step back in and literally be together and allow that to kind of help us, heal us, move us forward. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. Well, and I think, I think that's so much of it. I think that pain results in or results from, or I mean, I, who knows where the arrows are going, but from like disconnection and misconnection, you know, like you just become so disconnected from yourself, from others, from, from life, from the world. When I had that perspective shift that I could get back to my life without the pain having to be gone first. And I got back out in the nature, which was a big one for me that you just mentioned. I got back outside and I started taking pictures just with my phone, but it literally helped me to see the world through a different lens. I was looking at the world through a different lens and focusing on the world and not just focusing on my pain. And that was hugely revelatory for me. Like first it just made me realize the world was still there and it was still beautiful and it was interesting and marvelous in so many different ways despite my absence from it for so long like it was still there it was still beautiful and I was still a part of it and and that reconnection that reconnecting with the world again reconnecting with nature reconnecting with others with other people with just our common humanity was so healing for me and reconnecting with myself like I felt the, the most distressing part of my entire pain experience was really losing my sense of who I was. I didn't know who I was anymore, and I was so different than the person I had been before. And when I was a firefighter paramedic, I was strong. I was fit. I was a part of a team. I was working 24, 48, 72-hour shifts with my crew, and then all of a sudden, I was not at the station anymore, where I had been used to being at work more than I was at home. If you had asked me before this pain experience to describe myself, I would have said I'm a firefighter because to me that encapsulated everything that I was. And then I was no longer that thing. And that's so disorienting and life upending and disconnecting that it really became about connecting with all of those things that mattered to me again and that allowed me to reconnect with myself again and really kind of figure out who I still was. And that's what we hope to at least bring a little bit to our retreats and workshops for people who are living with pain to help them find those things that make them feel like themselves that are really meaningful to them and that they value and then figuring out ways to get back to those things, whether pain is present or not. Mm -hmm. And then 
if pain resolves along the way, that's amazing. You know how to live well. And if pain doesn't, you still know how to live well. Mm. I think that that's such an important skill to have. And I mean, all life, especially if you're living a good life, it's going to be filled with some adversity. It's going to be filled with loss and grief at times. You know, if you love people, you're eventually going to lose people that you love. And being able to navigate those difficult situations is a crucial skill for us to build. And we only learn those skills by going through adversity. So it can be such a learning experience. Wonderful. Now tell us a little bit about your mycupofjoe.com. So I started my cup of Joe early on. It was terrible because I didn't know what I was doing when I first started the blog and I didn't even know what I wanted it to be. But over time I found it was a really good place for me to just start working stuff out on my own as I was starting to learn new things when I was in graduate school and starting to make sense of it, you know, starting to make sense of my pain experience through this lens of what I was learning in school, through this lens of re-engaging with life again. I called it like my musings. I was musing about, my experiences, what I was learning, try to make sense of things and put it all together. It's evolved over the years as I've evolved over the years in my understanding of pain. And now I'm more reflecting back on my pain experiences. I'm reflecting on pain as I'm going through it. So I'm in a much different place now than when I first started the blog. And now I write more posts that are even geared towards clinicians too and trying to bring together, like bridge that gap between clinicians and patients. I think some of the language that we use in in medical treatment is not the same language that patients use to describe their experiences or their lives and, and trying to bridge the gap between those two things so that medical treatment can really be healing, you know, not just looking for a cure, but actually helping people to heal and get better and move forward in different ways and to find those possibilities moving forward. And there's so many different ways forward. And I think that's really important too. And what I try to share on the blog, that there is no one way. And my way forward is not the only way by any means. It was a good way for me. Probably wasn't even the only way for me. It's just one of many possible ways forward. And that's the really cool thing is that there are a lot of different ways forward for people. So our audience can, you know, get on board and follow you online here with this blog post, mycupofjoe.com, is that correct? Yep, M-Y-C-U-P-P-A-J-O.com. And on social media, I'm My Cup of Joe everywhere. Ah, so that's who you are. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm mostly on Twitter these days. Twitter's pretty much the only place. And Instagram. I post a lot of nature pictures on Instagram. I don't talk about pain at all. I just post nature pictures. Well, listen, everybody, this is a wonderful way to get inspired by watching Gilletta's um, pictures on Instagram. You know, part of our healing journey was that new lens, you know, looking through into something different. And that's a beautiful way. And I follow Instagram too and uh, look at different things on there. It's a wonderful little uh, platform, massive platform these days (laughs) and what we can get benefit from. But also the Twitter, you know, if you want to dialogue with her, you know, you can get on there and tweet away and she'll retweet you back and get a conversation going. Learn from other people's experiences, because at the end of the day, we're all in this together doing our thing. And whether we're a patient or a clinician or a self-help group or whatever it may be, you know, we're all moving forward. So let's do it as a team as opposed to being alone. So that's wonderful. Can you just, again, give us the you know, information on how our audience can connect up with the opportunity of, say, a retreat or you know, more information education? You know, what's the resource for that, Gilletta? The best place to go for that is our website, 
And our website is epicolorado.org. So kind of like epiccolorado.org. Or you could also, I think, endlesspossibilitiesinitiative.org will take you to the same website as well. And then we have information on what we do during our retreats there and ways to get a hold of us to either arrange for a retreat because we'll travel and do retreats in other areas as well. If there's an interested population, like especially if there's an interested clinical population somewhere, we do retreats there as well, coordinating with local people or workshops and that sort of thing. And that's our favorite thing to do. We love the retreat. And what's the furthest away from home you've been for retreats? We haven't gone anywhere else yet for the retreat. We've right. gone Colorado so far. No one's taking us up on, on bringing us to them yet. We're keep hoping. <laughs> Anyone in New Zealand, Australia, <laughs> British Columbia, all kinds of beautiful places. We should, we should <laughs> talk about this and get you up here in, the, in BC, beautiful BC. We would love that. That would be a wonderful thing to do. Okay, so listen, just as a parting question, just share something with our audience that has really changed you, you know, a lesson that's, that's happened from all of this, you know, maybe a take home that they could take to heart to make their day better. I mean, I'll tell a story about when I was in graduate school and I was learning all this new information. Like it all sounded well and good, but I was like, but my pain is real, <laughs> you know? And I still had real as being that it had to be something really wrong in the tissues in my hip. So it took me some time. Like all of this takes time. A new way of thinking and conceptualizing pain takes time. And that could be the most difficult part of all of this. But the, the story I want to share was when I was in graduate school, I had the opportunity to interview Laura Mosley, who's a neuroscientist based in Australia for a school project. I had emailed him and I said, I've been living with pain and gave him my whole life story and he agreed to do an interview for this project and I grilled him during that interview for 45 minutes on pain science because I really thought my one answer was going to be in the science and I asked him at the end of the interview what is the one thing you would want people on chronic pain to know or to do and his answer was to love and be loved and I was floored by that because this preeminent neuroscientist didn't give me the sciencey answer about what to do going forward. It was to love and be loved. And it was, that was really what helped me to make that perspective shift about getting back to my life and the things that were meaningful to me and the things that mattered without having to wait for pain to be gone. And it was that perspective shift that ultimately changed things so much for me and getting back to my life and the things that I love, recognizing that I was still able to love and be loved. Because when I was in pain for that long, I didn't like who I had become. And I had lost my sense of worth and my sense of purpose. And, and hearing that from him just brought me back to my own humanity. It made me realize that I was worthy of love and being loved. It was just such a huge perspective shift for me and, and such a profound turning point in my journey so that's what I would hope for for everyone moving forward just to remember that loving and being loved is really the most important thing that we can do well thank you so much for sharing that you know Lorimer Mosley is probably the most famous scientific researcher in the world and for him to say that is um yeah it brings home to me the the message I have with my patients as well is, you know, there's one aspect of treating pain is trying to do things to help. But the other aspect is 
engaging new nerve circuits in the brain related to things you love, enjoy. And it's the small things, you know, it's this cup of tea, it's the going for a walk in nature, it's the hanging out with a friend and just feeling that heart-heart connection. And there's something healing about that that lays down a pathway for new nerve circuits in the brain and in our bodies. And literally we're training ourselves towards a better reality and a better day. So yeah. lovely ending to this uh, chat. Thank you so much, Gioletta. And great to see you once again. I look, to, I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you, Wayne.